The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're talking to the CEO of an about-to-be-listed company, ActivePort. It's a company which sells software to telcos, internet providers, and system integrators. That's a very simplified way of describing the firm, but we'll talk more in detail uh, about that in just a moment. Now, the company's IPO raise has closed. ActivePort is hoping to list on the ASX on the 27th of this month of September. The market cap expected to be around $52 million on listing. Really happy now to welcome Karim Najain, the CEO of ActivePort. Karim, welcome. Good morning, Ariel. Now, Karim, I've been really looking forward to, to having a chat to you, not just about ActivePort, but about you and your career and, and how you've ended up where you are today. Because prior to joining ActivePort, you've had some very high-profile, successful roles with Singtel Optus, with Telstra. Uh, you've been in IT and telecommunications for over 20 years, um, obviously an industry you know very, very well. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, okay. So... It's interesting, and I won't I won't take too long over doing that. But I remember I was studying um, at uh, Flinders University in Adelaide, and it was the mid nineteen nineties. And I, I thought to myself, "Hey, this internet thing might take off. Why don't we? Um, why don't I just start directing my career toward networking?" And this was a a time when university lecturers used to have their lecture theatres. Um, staring at a screen in wonder as they logged into a computer on the other side of the world. So it's a lot's changed in 25 years. Um, I worked to start with uh, for a mining engineering company, um, helping them write software, but then found myself to Optus as a relatively junior engineer um, in the late 1990s. And that obviously, you know, was it was a, a great opportunity for me. I started as a fairly junior engineer and ended up as a group vice president. So. That worked out pretty darn well over 14 <laughs> years. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was great to work with the Singtel group. I got to see a lot around Asia. Um, but I got to, to live at Optus during the mobile boom as mobile data was becoming a thing um, under some fantastic leaders, people like Paul O'Sullivan and um, Kevin Russell just before I left, um, who I learned a lot from. But what I learned at Optus was one or two really key things. Um, technology is great um, when a customer says so. And the vast majority of people don't fully understand the technology they use every day, nor do they really need to. And, and it's up to companies like, you know, um, Active Port and others to make it as simple as possible. Um, and the, the value of helping businesses with the problems they've got on a day-to-day -day basis. And I've sort of picked that up and carried that through um, from the Optus days. I um, decided um, leaving Optus in 2014 that there was one bigger show in town um, and headed off to Telstra uh, and uh, worked in operations at Telstra for a while. 
Um, but ended up, my goal was to end up running product engineering for Telstra, which means I got to build Telstra's products um, across all technologies and all um, different segments, so business products and mobile products. And what that means is the product engineering, which I ran, sits in between marketing and the, the network and the technology guys and translates in between what a customer needs, the way it's got to behave so it can be built properly on the network. So again, it was a strong customer orientation, but I've got probably less of a fascination with the technology now and more of the outcome, which is where we're directing ActivePort, um, solve real business problems, try and break down some of the existing sort of technology barriers and um, disrupt in things like software-defined wide area networking and these things. Mm. But for me, um, it's been, yeah, a journey around customers. I've had the great pleasure of running teams up to about 1,500 people, which was a hell of a challenge and a hell of a buzz. Oh, I can imagine. But, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. I got to work for Robin Denholm at Telstra. I got to work with a fellow who was, you know, a huge influencer on telco in Australia and internationally, a fellow by the name of Mike Wright. So I've met some fabulous people. I've, I've been had a huge opportunity to walk a whole cross of work a whole bunch of technologies and customers and um, probably the the thing that was always missing is okay. I think I know what I'm doing. I think I've got a way to run a business and to help a business be successful. And um, uh, the board of Active Port and the chairman asked me to come and run Active Port a little over a year ago, and it's um the it's an absolute blast. We're, we're running fast. We've got something exciting. We've got customers looking to queue up and work with us. So mm. um, I, I, I'm in the position of, and I say it to my staff, is that 50% excitement with a little bit of terror associated with it as you're <laughs> constantly trying to do something new and different. So that's where I like to operate. That's pretty much where we are. Karim, do you, you talked about setting yourself goals just then. Um, you know, you always wanted to do a certain thing. Do you Are you finding that, that more often than not you are actually achieving the goals you set out for yourself? I mean, what an incredible career you've just talked us through. Thank you. Um, one of the – I've also um, had an opportunity to do a bunch of mentoring um, over the years, particularly with um, technologists um, and, and with um, network um, women in IT and and networks um, over the years. And one of the things that I've found it's the most useful piece of help that I can give somebody that I've mentored is try and be as clear as possible what do you want to have happen in three to five years? Because a lot of people say, I'm not happy with where I am. And the obvious question is, well, where did you want to be? Mm. And most people struggle to answer that question. And so as I as I, I talked about, you know, thinking, all right, well, let's get into internet. And I started at Optus and said, okay, I'd like to be in a management role within two years. And that came up. And then I said, right, I want to be in a general manager role within another five. And I got that done within a week of five years. Wow. And and so what I've, I have done is set targets along the way. So, right, the next thing I would like to do is, uh, and here is why and here's how it fits. I think... Um, the goal piece is super clear and people tend to put a lot of energy into doing the thing in front of them and not doing quite enough in business or personally to say, okay, where should this be? What will make, what, what's the outcome we're heading for? Um, so yes, I, I am a, a, a strong planner 
um, as a lot of people hear from me at nauseam. Uh, <laughs> but I think you you can't um, you haven't got a direction till you've got a plan, and you can't change direction until you're going in one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a very, very key uh, key point to make. Karim, you started off talking a little bit about how you ended up at Actorport. Uh, you did mm. feel that you were ready or you knew enough to, to, to run a company. That's exactly what you're doing. It's a company that um, is playing in a very interesting space, obviously one that you know very well, as you've just described, but it's also one that's already getting some international recognition. So tell us what's made you so passionate about Actorport. Yeah, thank you. The... the um... Uh, originally, Peter Christie, the chairman of Active Port, reached out and um, asked me to join his board. And I had a, a little look at what Active Port was doing. And um, the, well, I immediately asked, because, you know, my, my background is technical, um, can I please see the software and how it does what it does? And it gets deeply technical, and I'll try and keep things on a reasonably high level. But one of the tricks with any technology environment, whether it's big telecommunications or IT departments, is everything's actually in separate technologies and separate boxes that work end-to-end to to do something for a customer. And one of the tricks in telco or in IT is having that complexity with lots and lots of boxes and lots and lots of technology all stitched together to get an outcome that a customer needs. And in the software, I saw a capability to see everything that was happening technically in one place and then manage it end to end. And that, whilst a lot of people who aren't in technology go, I thought that's just automatically what happened. It isn't. It it isn't what typically happens. And so in the meeting where Mark Middleton, our CTO, presented and took me through the software, I said to Peter, I'd like an operational role because what this software can do is something I have tried to do previously. Um, either the environment wasn't right for it or we didn't have the technology right. And I saw something that jumped forward years from my experience. And so then once you've got a, a piece of software that will talk to lots of different platforms and make it easier to use, you can start adding capabilities into it like software-defined networking and these things. And that's where the interest has come from overseas because we, uh, people like Gartner, we've spoken to Gartner a few times. Um, they said, well, you're an SD-WAN player. Also, yes, we do play an SD-WAN, but we do other things as well because we've got this really strong software engine that can talk to lots of different stuff. And they go, oh, all right, we're well, an orchestration provider. No, we're not an orchestration provider. Well, you're an API provider. No, we're not an API provider. We're all of those things. And so we don't fit in a single box. And it's interesting when we present to international telcos and telcos in Australia that it's always somewhere between the 30 and 40 minute mark of the presentation, the penny drops. Mm. Oh, you do this and this and this and this. Yes, that's exactly what we do. And so the, the telecommunications companies internationally, so out of Brazil and Malaysia, see an opportunity to alter the way they do what they do with networking for their customers and how they run things internally. And so they're going to say, okay, we'd like to deal with you. You can make us money and save us money, which is like the golden 
or the silver bullet for, for any technology environment. If you can save some money and make some more at the same time, that's where the interest is being driven from. I really want it. So it's, it's extremely exciting to get on a call with some pretty senior people, an international carrier, and have them say after 30, 40 minutes, ah, okay, we get it. We'd like a proof of concept and can we please discuss pricing? Okay, we've, we've got something really interesting here. And so it's um, very exciting to sit at the, the CEO role of it and um, try and hang the show together on a daily basis um, with so much happening. So the 27th of September is your listing mm. date uh, on, on the ASX. It's been a hugely successful process uh, for you so far in, in terms of interest and, and subscriptions into your IPO. Um, why the ASX? If you are getting all of this international investor interest or international corporate interest, did you consider listing elsewhere in the world? We um, are sort of proud of the fact that it's an Australian company. It's an Australian, the CTO is an Australian guy from Perth. Um, Peter Christie, you know, um, is a, a guy that I knew 20 or 30 years ago um, in Adelaide. And whilst my name, Karim Nijame, is sort of unusual or exotic sounding, I'm from Broken Hill in you know, the <laughs> desert. Um, and um, we're very proud of being an Australian company who's looking to disrupt some of the big guys overseas. Mm. Um, and I think huddled down here as we are in the bottom right-hand corner of the world, we punch way above our weight in a whole bunch of things. So it was a very short conversation around a listing anywhere else. Mm. Um, but there's been some brilliant, innovative companies driven out of Australia Um and these days, with so much video conferencing, um, this morning I've had a conversation with Brazil, uh, North America. I'm having one with New Zealand in a few hours, and later on this evening we'll be talking to a company in France. And you can get the whole thing done globally. Um, it is a, the, a lot of the boundaries globally have um, fall, sort of fallen down. But um, now we're all very, very proud of setting this up in Australia and driving it from here it won't we don't plan any plan to move offshore from a headquarters perspective either it's um, um very pleased to be doing what we're doing in australia as a base and, and karim of course by far the most co- important conversation that you're having today you're having with queensland right now oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and um what's funny you mentioned that there's a, a fellow with one of uh, the company that we're we're dealing with um, and the company is US based. He's an Australian. And so we'd set up calls with him at certain times of the day and go through a whole bunch of things. I was absolutely certain he was based in Los Angeles. Mm. And one day we got on a call and he was sitting in a slightly different spot and the sun was coming in the window. I was like, how can you be in sunshine? He said, oh, I'm in Ballarat. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, exactly. But, but yes, hugely important to us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Krim, you're going to obviously raise some funds um, in the IPO, um, international scaling up, uh, um, sales, hiring people. Um, what are your plans for those funds? Yeah, the um, a significant chunk of the dollars we're raising as part of the IPO go into um, sales development, um, international expansion, 
um, and some marketing internationally. So the the software we have, Mark, you know, is fond of saying he conceived of 15 years ago and actually started writing three years ago. And so we're up, you know, it's not something we dreamt up, you know, um, a couple of months ago. This has been kicking around for about three years. And so it's, it's quite a mature piece of software. What we then have is, as I said, people, uh, customers we've spoken to, potential customers we've spoken to, think, well, this is something for us and we'd like to talk with you. And so we have um, a customer in Brazil, one in Malaysia, um, New Zealand, etc. Now, what, um, and several, uh, we've got Tasmanet in Australia and, and several other Australian telcos that we're talking to at the moment. But what we intend to do is set up partnerships with, with different companies throughout the world. There's one we're in a great conversation with in Brazil, another in Canada, another in Malaysia, another in Indonesia, where we set up partnerships. And what we will use the funding for is paying for tech and salespeople in those countries to supplement those companies in country. You can set up your, your own office, but there is a large amount of expense in doing that. A partnership model allows you to get in with a company that's local, with the local language, with the local time zone, with the local market, with local suppliers. And we don't believe for one second that you can be highly effective in Malaysia sitting in my office in Sydney. So you find a good partner to work with there, work, bring them up to speed on the software, how we do what we do. And so the world for us is really in four global regions that will ultimately become eight between North America, South America, uh, through Southeast Asia. We have um, conversations going on in Africa. And so the short answer, which has turned into a very long one, is... Um, we will use it for international expansion in sales and marketing and the tech to get it into hands of customers internationally. One country you didn't mention there was China. What is your view, Karim, on expanding into China? We uh, have had uh, a bunch of conversations with um, a couple of uh, some companies into China, some potential agents into China uh, and Hong Kong. Um, we have to take some care with um, our technology and, and, and um, the use of um, the Chinese-based telecommunication vendors into Australia. There's some very clear and strict rules around that um, coming from the federal government. What we have to take some care with um, is treating China as another market and another country. Um, it will be a country where we need uh, strong support on the ground to know the environment, to know the, the legal uh, frameworks there. What we will do, though, is go into it with open eyes. So what we've set up initially is um, some um, deployments into Hong Kong with the view to um, doing some work into China. Uh, there are some brilliant technology companies in China. But we, we think of it, if you clear away some of the um, the concerns around uh, some of the big Chinese vendors, it's another country, it's another market. Um, a lot of the countries we're dealing with, particularly in countries like Brazil, have very different uh, legal structures and regulatory structures. So we'll find a strong partner to help us um, work into China to guide us through some of that. But um, balancing out really carefully the um, any concern 
anyone would have from a, a regulatory perspective in technology. But also it's a big lucrative market where there is a lot happening mm-hmm. um, and a lot of opportunity for us. So we will head that way carefully and with our eyes open with, uh, with good advice. So, Karim, let's talk about your revenue forecast, which is obviously something that's going to be front of mind for investors as you as you hit the stock exchange later on this month. What sort of revenue trajectory are you expecting? We'll be driving revenue from a couple of places initially. We're in the process and as part of the, the moment of listing two acquisitions that we have called out in the prospectus, Starbird and Bistone, uh, fall into line. And they're a great source of revenue from us from a managed service perspective, but also the software licensing that we will um, sell with them. So there's a managed services line of revenue. And then there is the really important line, which is the monthly reoccurring software licensing revenue, which is um, very high margin. So over the course of the next year, um, we want to drive that software licensing revenue as fast as we possibly can with the managed service providers we have in Australia, with the telcos that we're talking to internationally. So what um, I can't do at this point in time is talk about really, okay, the number we're going to have hit by the end of the financial year is, but we are looking at uh, multiple millions of dollars being driven from just that software licensing revenue But if we're successful with that software licensing line, we are looking to double, treble, or even quadruple that software licensing revenue, uh, FY22, FY23, and beyond. Because we're fortunate once you have a customer and they start rolling out, our licensing model is purely by port. So the more ports that are rolled out, the more revenue we generate. We're hoping for a strong hockey stick effect on the back of the sort of companies that have done really well in the last years, like Dubba. Um, They're selling what has been into what has traditionally been a telco environment with software. That's what we do. And so whilst I can't talk concrete numbers, although I'd love to, can't talk concrete numbers, we'll drive that software licensing revenue into the millions, hopefully this year, but then drive multiples of that over the next few years. as it rolls out to all of our customers. So I, I hope and I'm driving at very, very rapid growth for Active Port over the next three to five years. Okay, Karim, what a, a fantastic point to end this conversation um, on such a positive note. We will be watching you incredibly closely, um, Karim, and, and all the best of luck for the listing, hopefully on the 27th of September. Thank you very much, Ariel, and really good to talk to you again. Lovely to chat to you too. And we look forward to talking to you again in a few months' time once, you, once you're up and running in terms of being listed and we'll see where you're at in a few months. Um, Karim, thanks so much again um, for joining us today. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.